I'm no expert, but I think the trail goes this way. has been the best experience of my life. Do what sings to your heart and don't be afraid to change directions. Hey, welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode 14 in season 2, and I am your host, Gizmo. It's a brand new year, and 2017 hiking season is going to be here before we know it. For today, big thanks to Audible for supporting Sounds of the Trail. For your free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com slash hikertalk. So today we're going to do a little bit of looking forward and a bunch of looking back, as we hear from one of our trail correspondents, Hey Girl. We're going to do some time traveling as we follow along with her from right before the end of her thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail to right after, and then her thoughts a few months off trail. If anything is more life-changing than starting a thru-hike, it's finishing one. Things are never quite the same afterwards. In other news, I've been getting a lot of emails lately from listeners telling me how sad they are to not be seeing any new episodes from us. This makes me feel both really appreciated and really guilty. You see... I continue to lose at this balance that I'm trying to find between my paid job, my personal life, and this podcast. This past year has been a a learning experience, to frame it positively, on my limits and what I can manage and what's sustainable for me personally. The good news is that I'm actively working to rework things so that I can put all those things back into more of the kind of balance that I'm looking for. So stay tuned for that. One thing that currently really helps with that balance is support. So today, thanks to Audible for supporting this podcast. Audible is this fabulous repository of audiobooks, news, original shows, and more. Great for listening to during your errands, on your commute, or maybe those tough days on the trail where you can't stop thinking about your feet. Audible is offering a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial to Sounds of the Trail listeners. Audible has basically every book you've ever heard of, just go to audible.com slash hikertalk and browse around to find tons of great stuff and then download your free book and start listening. Recently, I have been listening to The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins, which is this great Victorian mystery sensation novel. Wilkie Collins is a close friend of Charles Dickens, which you can really see in his uh, colorful characters, and his books are some of the earliest pioneers in the mystery genre, and they're, they're great fun, especially when you have talented narrators doing all the different voices for you on your audiobook. So once again, get that free audiobook at audible.com slash and help support our show. Okay, going back to our interviews. Today we start off with an interview between Hey Girl and Sphagnum P.I. It's the night before they summit Mount Katahdin and officially complete their thru-hikes of the Appalachian Trail. A pretty big night for both of them. Let's listen as they explore what that means to them both. Alrighty, this is Hey Girl with Sounds of the Trail, and I'm here with my friend Sphagnum P.I. And we are 
five miles from the end of our northbound hike, we are sitting at the Birches campground for through hikers. And tomorrow morning is a day that nobody ever thinks will come, but it's always the goal <laughs> when we'll be summoning Katata and the final mountain and kind of the the cherry on top for northbound through hikers on the Appalachian <laughs> Trail. So we are going to talk today a little bit about what it meant to start a through hike six months ago and what it feels like now. So, Sagan, why don't you start out by telling Sounds the Trail listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I'm originally from Marshalltown, Iowa, and most recently I was living and working in Grand Teton National Park, Wyoming. Uh, that is before I became a full-time thru-hiker. <laughs> I started my thru-hike on March 14th. I took some time off, uh, six weeks in total, to um, go on a rafting trip as well as be a part of my best friend's wedding. So I've been kind of booking it in between the times that I've taken off. But um, it's October 1st now, and I'm five miles from the end, so I'm here. (laughs) So what does it feel like? Because for a lot of people, a thru-hike isn't just about starting. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. For some people, it's months or even years beforehand, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you walk 2,184 miles in our case, (laughs) and now it's six months later. Yeah. What does it feel like to be sitting here and having one more day to hike? Gosh, I really thought I would be an emotional wreck tonight. (laughs) And I I was. I was having pangs of, you know, picturing myself on Katahdin, and I would start getting emotional hiking, you know, a hundred miles ago. But now, right now, I'm surprisingly just calm. It feels like a, a normal night. And I think it's mostly because there are like about 12 other hikers here. We've all done the same miles. We're all kind of in the same the same boat and we're doing the same thing tomorrow. So it's like, yeah, this is just the natural last step. I'm expecting I'll be an emotional wreck on top of Katahdin. (laughs) Nobody really knows. Yeah, I really don't know. I I kind of almost am looking for that. I kind of want to to have that moment where I'm just really overwhelmed and and have that experience, but maybe I won't. And and I guess that's okay too. Yeah, I think that's interesting. We today before we came over to this campground, we were hanging out at um, the ranger station, and there were a lot of hikers that had finished today. Yeah. And we were talking to some of them, and some people said they cried. Some people said they didn't know what to feel. Yeah. That's... One guy said he just kind of. There were other people around, and he didn't even think to process what he was feeling until he got down. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for me, too, is when there's other people around, I'm more calm. Whereas if I were maybe on the summit by myself, I would just be sobbing or something. I don't know. And and I, I guess that's a good thing for the most part, because I I'll be able to just like get up there. I'll be able to get, you know, the the typical picture on the summit and everything. I can I can get through all that and and maybe it'll be better to have some time afterwards by myself to really start processing it cuz it hasn't really hit me yet. It hasn't really hit me that I'm here. Like I I know that I'm here and I know that I hiked 2184 miles. <laughs> I know because I was there, I did it, but it doesn't really feel real yet yeah i think it's i feel the same way you know you you know that the trail has impacted you you know it's changed Mm -hmm. you but then to feel like this the final day and 
like kind of an end point or closure to it. It's surreal. It is. Yeah, absolutely. But, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm excited. I'm excited to to get up to this crazy mountain that we've been walking toward for six months. And just in the last 10 days, we've been having these amazing views of it after just seeing it in pictures and, you know, kind of dreaming of this mountain for so long. Um now I'm going to climb it. And I just am like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point, because um, for a lot of the Appalachian Trail, you spend time walking in the woods and yeah. you, you get a view every now and again um, as you walk north. But you're not always looking ahead and having large vistas of what's to come. And Katata in the final mountain here yeah. as you go north is really the only chance when you have to look at one mountain for an extended yeah. period of time that you're headed towards. Yeah, it's kind of strange in that it's the only thing around. We're like totally in a flat area and Katahdin just rises up out of nowhere. So I I see why it's so significant to people who aren't even through hikers. It's really kind of amazing in itself. And let alone for through hikers, it's been this thing that we've been dreaming of for months. It's been this mountain that we've been working toward and knowing that that was our that was the end. So I I don't even know what I'm what I'm thinking, but I I am excited. If I when I really sit and think about it, I I get a little nervous almost. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's right there. Oh my gosh, this is it. Like, oh, I should be I should be feeling more crazy. I should really be processing. I should be looking back on all of the friends that I've made and everything. But right now, I'm still just kind of I I guess maybe on cruise control. I. I'm still in like, okay, let's do it mode. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's typical and kind of natural because all we've been doing for the last six months is climbing mountains. Yeah, this is the biggest one yeah. <laughs> and it's the last one, but your through hike is all about every day. You know, you, you mm-hmm. make friends and you have a great time and every landscape is different than we walk through, but every day you're climbing up or down mountains all day, every day. Yeah. Well, so now at this point, even though you still have a lot to process. How do you think your strike or the AT has um, impacted you? Oh, man. One thing that I definitely know has changed is my confidence level. And that's something that I really wanted. That's something I wanted to get out of this through hike, um, especially as a, uh, you know, young woman, solo traveler. Um, I wanted to feel comfortable traveling by myself and doing my own thing I feel self-reliant and independent and I I'm feel totally capable I know that I can take care of myself I can go into these towns by myself and even when I had to get off the trail for for the rafting trip and for my friend's wedding you know I traveled by myself I like looked up my own plane tickets and I booked my own bus tickets and I just strung stuff together and and that was something that before the trail I think I would have been a lot more stressed out about but I I feel a lot more confident in my own ability to handle myself in general I I think think that's one of the biggest things that's awesome to hear especially as a woman because (laughs) you know you see people of all ages out here and I think whether or not we're young or older there's that growth that happens because you have to think on your feet every day yeah you yeah you make friends and you have hiking partners but 
at the end of the day, also, you have to make every decision and kind yeah. of choose, do I want to do these miles? Do I want to go to this town? Uh, yeah, what do exactly. I do if this happens? Yeah. And you do need to be self-reliant. But at the same time, it's an interesting community and great one where people are always looking out for you. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've been very pleasantly surprised at how kind people are and how nice everybody is. Everybody's friendly. We're all kind of in the same boat. We're all through hikers and, and there is such a great community and network of people looking out for each other. And of course, the age old question, especially as solo woman is like, oh, are, do you feel safe? Are you carrying a gun? You know, all of that. Like, no, I have I have absolutely felt safe the whole time. I've never felt really threatened by a, a hiker or felt unsafe as far as other people go. It's it's been amazing. Okay, so tell me now um, about your trail name. Okay, so my trail name is Sphagnum P-I-S-P-H. Um, like Magnum P.I., the private investigator from the old TV show. Yeah. But Sphagnum is a genus of moss, and I'm a biologist. So I like to stop and look at all of the little plants and flowers and lichens and moss. And in the beginning, I, I would be pointing them out to people and say like, oh, now this one's cool because it grows in bogs or whatever. That is great. <laughs> and, you were everybody's little... um answer to everybody's questions i tried to yeah there's a lot of stuff i still don't know out here but there's a lot of fun things that i've been able to kind of point out to people so um my friend wild hair who i tried to catch today he was around here he summited today oh um, nice yeah he gave me my trail name on like the second day and i it was kind of a pun and i'm super into puns and i just thought it was so funny and so unique that okay i have to take that trail name <laughs> well i can relate to that because i uh I love studying trees, and mm, with my hiking yeah. partner, we've identified trees the whole time. Awesome. Um, it's so I, fun. It is. It's great, and you learn so much, and what's cool is every state has similar ecosystems and different ecosystems, similar yeah. species, and sometimes you come across something you saw somewhere way back when yeah, or absolutely. something that's totally new. Yeah, and there, there's always so much of it that that it's always an option you know there's always trees around that you can look at there's always plants there's always moss <laughs> and so have you had a favorite um species out here um of anything of anything oh my gosh or um, a favorite place or moment you had well, two things that happened just recently. This morning, I saw my first moose on the trail. Nice. Yeah, That's I was, so rare and so yeah, lucky. Yeah, it was really awesome. I was kind of starting to accept like, okay, maybe I won't see a moose on the through hike. Yeah. And that's fine. And I was camped with my friend Licker. And this morning, I was putting on my boots, almost ready to get out of my tent. And, and he was over kind of exploring this campsite that we had gotten into late. And we realized there was this beautiful little pond nearby that we hadn't even noticed because it was dark when we got in. And I heard him call to me and I was like, oh, what's up? And he's like, come over here. There's a moose. There's a moose. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I had one one boot on and tied and I just like shoved the other boot on my foot. And, you know, I did the hiker hobble because yeah, my feet really hurt. Because your whole body. Yeah. yeah, I was just like shuffling over to him, but also not trying not to scare the moose. 
And it was just this giant, like a full grown, beautiful female moose. And oh, she was in amazing. the middle of the lake and we could just see her head above the water. And she was like walking through the water. And then we watched her like get up out of the water and we could kind of see her like appear more and more because there's so much of her that she's coming out of the water and she walked off into the woods. Oh my God. That's really so special. Great moment. Yeah. It's like the envy of every hiker out here in Maine. Yeah. And, and we really like kind of just thought that we weren't going to see one. Yeah. Today our second to last day and we're like that's okay it's okay we didn't get a moose we saw other other stuff oh that's awesome for you yeah yeah and then another one actually happened yesterday I was I had just taken a potty break and (laughs) so my friend was up ahead of me and I was by myself and it was quiet and I was also taking off my jacket and putting it in my pack and I hear rustling through the woods and it's a little more like of a thump thump than the squirrels generally make and uh, Snowshoe Hare ran out onto the trail and like ran away and I heard more rustling and I was like oh my gosh what's chasing it? <laughs> yeah. And a big I I'm pretty sure it was a fisher uh-huh. came out of the woods and it, I've never seen one before. I've seen moose before. I lived in Wyoming, but I've never seen a fisher before. And so that was a really cool thing that I knew what it was because I just don't think it could have been anything else. Yeah. But it was the first time I'd ever been able to actually see it. And it was cool that I could I could know immediately what it was. But it was so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. And... It was just really, I don't know, it's just really cool and absolutely unexpected in that moment. And that was kind of one of those magic moments on the trail where where you're not really expecting anything to happen. Like, I had just, like, gone off to the trail to pee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden I just had this, like, great experience that kind of reminded me of, of how magical this place can be. I think that's great because in some places along the trail we know that there's an abundance of certain wildlife. Like in the yeah. Shenandoahs, there are tons of black bears. So many. <laughs> in, in Maine, you know that there are moose. But then there are moments like that that you're talking about where you're caught off guard, but it's the mm-hmm. most wonderful moments like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about um, how you think you'll incorporate your trail life into your life off the trail. Oh. Um, or if that will even be the way you live. Yeah, I I definitely think that the trail has helped me be able to deal with things calmly and stress a lot less, which is something that I used to really have a problem with, especially in school and and you know, I'll be trying to find a job soon, so the job search can be super stressful. Um, but I feel I feel calm about it. I feel like I know how to deal with it better and kind of just find that inner inner peace after being out here and, you know, working through all of the thoughts that I had about my my regular life in the, the real world. <laughs> yeah. And it's part of that because for a lot of us, I think we don't even realize how unplugged we've become. Yeah. Until we probably are going to be thrown back into oh, a life, yeah. whether it's in in cities or a bustle, a small town, or just mm-hmm. because there's so little noise out here that yeah, it's... the environment and being in nature just calms you. Mm-hmm. Do you think part of what you're talking about will be just that your mind is rewired for how to deal with things, or is it even incorporating a lot of outdoor time to 
be able to feel that zen and to mm. deal with things. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will be both. I I'm hoping to be able to get a job where I'll be outside most of the time. Um, that's that's really what I love is being outside and working outside. Um, and you know, obviously it's a normal thing for me now to be living outside, but. It's almost surprising how little I miss things. Mm. So I think I'll probably be watching even less TV. I think I'll probably be trying to get outside more, knowing how much calm and peace it can bring me. And I'll try to keep in mind if I am stressed out in my regular life, like just go outside, just go for a walk or something. Yeah. <laughs> just go get yourself some, some quiet outdoors time by yourself. Yeah. One thing I've really loved and reflected on about being out here is it strips you down to just the bare minimum of what you need. And yeah. part of that is just, you know, we walk with our backpacks, which are our shelter, our food, mm -hmm. and the clothes on your back. But it's also just like being outside in nature and good company with people. Yeah. And there's, you know, sure there are other things in life in the long term that maybe we need, but this experience does remind you that you really don't need too much yeah. to be happy and healthy. You know, you need some money to feed yourself and to keep yourself <laughs> yeah. clothed and, you know, take a shower every now and again. But. <laughs> But at the same time, it's more about just companionship and being outside. Yeah, yeah, and and knowing that you can be happy without a lot of that stuff that you don't really need. And maybe if something doesn't work out, you can remind yourself, like, it's not that big a deal. And, the you know, when it boils down to it, it isn't that big a deal. So I shouldn't waste my time worrying about it too much. So all that being said... We have tomorrow, which is your birthday also. Yes, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm summiting Katahdin, October 2nd. <laughs> Are you excited to get off trail and, and go home and see family and friends? Yeah, I am. At this point, um, you know, I have a lot of loved ones that I really miss and I haven't seen in a long time. Um, so I'm excited to see everybody and kind of reconnect with everyone and see how their lives have been going and, you know, tell them about how my trail was and... Um, all of that. And it's exciting to just to be here and just to be actually finishing. Um, so I, Heck yeah. I'm, yeah, it is. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ready to finish. Um, and I'm sure after a while in the, in, back in the real world, I'm going to miss it, but I'm ready. I think I'm ready to, to go back and, and you just lay on a couch for like hours, like days. I just want to like lay on a couch and have a fridge and be able to put things in it and just like walk to the fridge and open it and, and eat whatever I want. Not have to filter water or yeah. go down a creek yep, half a mile exactly. to get your That's water. That's going to be something that I hope I don't even just begin to take for granted. Like remind myself that I can just drink this water right now. <laughs> that is great. Okay, so... On a final note, um, if you were to talk to somebody who was considering a through hike in general or a through hike at the AT, what would you tell them? Ooh, I would tell them that you can absolutely do it. First of all, whatever you're thinking, if you really, if you want to do it and you think this is something that you want to do in your life, you can absolutely do it. And it might be tricky. It might be tricky to get the time off. It might be tricky to save up the money, but 
you can absolutely make it happen. And don't even worry about maybe my body can't handle it or maybe I'm not strong enough because I didn't do it like any training. I just, you know, you start off slow and you can build up to it. And the other biggest thing that I learned to do on the trail is to not be hard on myself, to not be so hard on myself. So if I couldn't, if I felt like I was so exhausted and I couldn't go any more miles today, you know, just like learn to accept that, learn to not be hard on yourself and to be amazed at what you've already done. And you can just keep plugging and you'll be sitting at the Birch's campsite right before Katahdin <laughs> in no time. <laughs> that is so awesome. Okay, so on that note, we have some campfire to enjoy. Yes. And some sleep to get to. Absolutely. And then tomorrow we're going to just run up Katahdin. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and celebrate your birthday. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. All right, so this is Hey Girl at the Birch's in Baxter State Park. Mm-hmm. In Maine, signing out with my friend, Sphagnum P.I. Alrighty. <laughs> oh, the end of a through hike is such an amazing, bewildering thing. The last few days that I was on the Pacific Crest Trail, the nights were just starting to get quite cold but we had a last window of sunny weather before the fall rains were going to descend back on us in full force. And it felt like a dream. I had just gotten over a stomach flu and I'd lost some weight that I didn't really have to lose at that point. I felt drained and just unbearably light, like this exhausted cloud (laughs) floating across the tops of the mountains and through the stands of larches just blazing gold and the blueberry bushes just carpeting the mountainsides in red. And then it was over. And I had to take a bus for three hours back to Vancouver. I was radically carsick the entire way. And the bus spit us out in the part of town where all the needle exchange clinics were. And the people were yelling and the cars were honking and the hostels were unfriendly. And I don't think I was even in Vancouver an hour before I had to find a park to sit down on a bench and cry for a while. Finishing was hard. I think you'll hear that same thing from Hey Girl in this recording she made a week after finishing. This is Hey Girl, or Laura, from Sounds of the Trail, and it is October 8th, and I am recording some reflections of my own in finishing my through hike of the Appalachian Trail, and now coming back home where my mom lives. It's been about a week now since I summited, and it's an interesting feeling. I'm having a lot of what former hikers caution you of when your hike ends. It's a mix of both elation and happiness for finishing, but then also a bittersweet feeling and somewhat of a strange feeling to be off the trail. For me, my through hike was six of the best months of my life. I lived outside for those months and Got to walk every single day, both when it was sunny, rainy, hot, warm, and I had an incredible experience. I met people from all around the East Coast, 
both on the trail and trail angels and trail towns. I met people that were new to hiking, people that were experienced hikers, and I got to see 14 states in the East Coast in a way I've never seen them before. There's a real transformation that happens in most of us. They get the chance to through hike. And while we talk about it out on the trail and both feeling that physically and mentally and uh, emotionally, probably for the majority of us, the reality and the depth of that transformation is probably realized when we're off the trail. So for me, I just feel so happy and realize what a good time it was. And I also am aware that, like many hikers caution you, there's a real, real quick ability for people, they say, to get depressed when they leave the trail because you come off of this high, this great feeling of elation every day. And even on the days when your body hurts or maybe it's pouring down rain, when you get off the trail, all of those days feel like the glory days. Anyway, it's been an interesting couple of days getting back home and kind of figuring out next steps for work and for what and where to live because I'm planning to probably make a move, um, but also reflecting on my through hike and there's so many days and years to come of that. I know the AT will forever be a part of my life, both in the through hike and coming back to the trail and the community to hike more and to stay connected. Overall, one thing I realize is these through hiking communities are so big and there's so many years of people that have done the trails and you know that was a, a joy while out there to meet people that had through hiked previously or have been working on sections for years. But now in finishing it's this bigger than life feeling where you're now a part of this community of former through hikers and people on the AT have been through hiking since 1948 and then you have trails like the PCT or the CDT where they're growing immensely and it's just a neat feeling but overall I thought I would share my reflections and kind of this interesting time of transition um, and I know many of my fellow through hikers from this year are probably feeling similarly some are probably also happy and ready to be moving on and off the trail while others are probably um, a little bit more melancholy and then there's some of you that are still out there hiking so to those of you that are enjoy the miles and even when it's getting cold both either going south or making your way to Maine um, to Katahdin. Keep smiling because it really is tough. When it's over, it's over and we'll always have it, but there's really nothing like being out there. And I'd venture to say a lot of other hikers like me who are off trail now are kind of missing being out there. So for now, this is Hey Girl signing out and reflecting on my last six months. So coming home is tough. 
But once you're through the worst of it, what you're left with is this amazing experience that you will always have. And you get to go the rest of your life knowing that you tried something as big and hard as this. And look how far you made it. Getting to through hike is a privilege that I still think about all the time, even a couple years down the road. But what are the big takeaways? I called up Hey Girl and I asked her about it. Last year I was contemplating should I do it this year or should I do it next year? And like never once did I waver while I was out there. I, I was always like, my God, I'm so glad I changed directions and just decided to go for it this year. What do you think gave you that extra impetus to make that choice? Like now is the time, like this, this year is the year. For me, it was, you know, this whole list of reasons, including just wanting to do it 10 years ago when I first got out of college, when I first found out about it. But I really didn't know what it was going to entail. And then I think over time, I built it up in my mind and I had it as like a small seed. And in the last couple of years when I was working, I was happy in what I was doing and I liked my life in DC, but there was something there like a nag saying, Laura, you got to do something else. Like you are missing something. You want a different adventure. After the new year, I was writing this list of reasons that I would either do it this year or next year. And then I started to put together some that were those personal um, motivations and just this real drive that I really wanted to do it this year. But at the same time, I started to think about the practical, like, okay, I've saved enough money where I could do this. My, I'm healthy enough where I could do this. My mom who is back in DC is healthy. So I don't have to be there for her and I don't have any other big commitments. So it was kind of a, a multitude of things, but I think I just also reached this moment when I started to tell other people about it. And I was like, I clearly want to do this now. And people were reflecting that back to me when I was talking to them. So I think I just started to listen a little bit louder to the the stuff I was saying out loud. So if I were to sort of recap that, it seems like it was two things for you. And the first was that like all the pieces fell into place to make this possible, which, which is the case for a lot of us, but you recognize that all these pieces were in place. And then the second thing is that you started to actually vocalize this dream. Yeah, totally. And I think the second piece was really critical for me. And I had read um, Zach Davis's Appalachian Trials book before when I was starting to think about this. And that's all about not just hiking the Appalachian Trail, but a lot of the mental preparedness. Are you up for this? Do you know yourself? And what are the reasons you want to do it? And one of the things he points out or suggests is to tell people in your life and say it out loud because that can bring extra both encouragement but also social accountability. And for me, that second piece was really critical because I was ruminating over this in my mind for years. And then the last year, especially, it was like very loud in my mind, but I wasn't talking it out with anybody close to me. Then once I finally started doing that, even with people on the periphery that were a couple degrees away from my closest inner circle, then I really started to realize like the way I would talk about it and the way I would express it to other people, it was really something that I had to do. 
Yeah, totally. So, how long have you been home? I've been home for about, oh my god, two months. Two (laughs) months and four days. It's taken me a while to catch up with you, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I've been walking slow. How much do you feel like you've changed just in the two months since you've been home? Have you felt any shifts back into things, or have you stayed mentally on the trail at all? That's a really good question. I think in the in the time I've been home, I've done both. You know, I noticed things like when I first got back, all the sensations and stimulus of the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, like traffic and many more people and all the getting from here to there and people being on the go and being scheduled, those things were really, really jarring. And I knew to expect them, but I, I guess they made me realize how much I was living a different, quieter lifestyle. And But at the same time, another thing that struck me was a lot of the things that came to be strong values out on the trail, those don't necessarily reconcile with what people back home are always thinking about. And that could be as simple as, you know, saying hello to everybody as you pass by them or being very present in appreciating and living a very open-minded way or or getting the most like the marrow out of every moment and being very active whereas now you know like I've settled a little bit into I think what are parts of off-trail life where for one I'm just not being physically active nine hours a day um (laughs) I'm sleeping in a bed most nights uh initially that was hard too like the first three days I came back I went out back to the woods and hiked with a girl who still had to finish some miles on the AT because all I all I could think about was being outside and, and camping and hiking. Yeah. What do you think would be the biggest change in yourself that you see since hiking the Appalachian Trail? Oh, my God. <laughs> Easy, <laughs> simple questions. Yeah, uh, this is good, though. Um, I think one of the biggest changes is I am... I want to say I'm a lot more grateful in a big way. And that is, I try to be very grateful every day that I can be awake and active and outside. But I think I'm also grateful that I had the opportunity to do the through hike because it has changed me in so many ways. And in ways that I'm aware of now, but I know in ways that I won't be fully understanding until, you know, I'm 70 years old. But the gratitude is that I made the decision to go and that I really, really tried every day while I was out there to enjoy it. And I tried to meet people and I tried to experience as much as the trail had to offer. So I'm grateful that I had that mindset both on the trail, but that I'm trying to maintain it now and share that gratitude with other people. I mean, like, I feel really grateful that I learned so much just simply by being on the trail that will now be a kind of a lens to how I view life and I act in life. Yeah, one thing I want to follow up that you brought up just now is this idea that while that while you were on the trail you really tried to make the most and enjoy every single day and that just struck me right now because I don't think that's something I am doing at all in my regular life and 
I feel like I remember on the trail, there was almost this internal pressure to have a good time and to be mm-hmm. happy every day because I'm here, I'm having this adventure, I'm in these amazing places with amazing people. And so, you know, if you're having a bad day, I almost felt guilty about it. But I've totally lost that. <laughs> and so uh, this has been a pretty hard year for me. And so when I think about things that I've lost, it's this idea that I'm trying to be happy every day. And maybe that's the difference between being happy every day and not like on the balance is this idea that you're actually trying to do it. You're right. And I can totally identify with what you said, where when you're on the trail, I think you pinch yourself. One, it's so self-selecting. So many people want to be out there just because it's like a dream. But by doing that, it's a long adventure and it's tiring and it's challenging and it's dirty and it's gritty. But I think people know all of that. And as humans, we know if we're going to make the most of something, if it's going to be tiring, gritty and dirty, like you better put a smile on your face and do your best. And I think also there's kind of, there is a pressure and there is a, a push also from other hikers to do that. And when you pass somebody and they've got a smile on their face or they greet you with like a really enthusiastic hello or what's up, or they wave you over to come swimming in a swimming hole, like you got one of two choices there to do it and be happy or to not do it. And there's not many other choices. And I think when we're off trail, Sometimes there's so many choices just to distract us, but to distract us from also being present in deciding, am I happy? Am I not happy? Am I making choices that make me happy? Maybe like so many other things on the trail, it's a lot easier because it's so one single track. You know, it's either enjoy it or don't or hike or don't. So how do you think that you would take that and keep applying that to your life now when it's not as black and white? I think what I'm trying to do is just, you know, do things piece by piece and not take too much on. One thing that I wanted to touch back on with you is some of the things you brought up in our interview before you started hiking the trail. So this was back, I think, in February? Yeah. So you brought up that you were packing a list with you of reasons why you're hiking the Appalachian Trail. And you said you had this plan to take this list with you and to look at it once a week. And so my first question is, did you look at this list once a week? No. But what <laughs> when I did can... you When did you stop? So what I did, I never stopped looking at it entirely. I just didn't look at it once a week. At the beginning, probably for the first month, I looked at it once a week along with a couple letters that my mom and my brother had written me that were really encouraging. And I tried to look at the lists with those at the beginning to really keep me motivated. But I think really what happened, why I stopped looking at them so regularly after a while was I just, whatever was on them and all those reasons that I wanted to be out there, I don't think I needed reminding as much because I really was in it and committed and happy I, there was no there was no wavering in my mind that I was not happy or not into this, and maybe I just didn't need those lists anymore. That's really cool. Yeah, I guess it is. Like I hadn't <laughs> thought about that in a while. One of the things on your list 
that you had is that when you successfully through hike, you will be more proud of yourself than any other accomplishment in your life. Now that you've hiked the Appalachian Trail, do you think that's still true? Totally. And I've been saying that to people over and over and over again. I, the AT has been the best experience of my life. And just by saying that, I think it reinforces, like, I am so proud of myself. And even the way I talk about it, you know, I'm not, I want to be humble and I don't want to go around saying like, I hiked the trail, I did this. But um, at the same time, I think it it is for anybody that completes a through hike. It's a huge accomplishment. But what I've noticed is I have a confidence to express that. And that's probably something that's changed in me too. Whereas maybe years ago for accomplishments, um, even if I was proud of them, I wouldn't necessarily bring them up. And it wasn't necessarily for fear of being overly confident, but it was even just maybe not asserting my, in myself that like, hey, if you're proud of this, like you should talk about it. Yeah, it's a physical accomplishment, but really all of these other great experiences I had with the people out there and the towns and just seeing these gorgeous landscapes in America, that's the stuff that I feel really proud to have gotten the opportunity to do and to have um, experienced. Yeah, I mean, most people who start the trail don't finish, and there's so many reasons why someone might not finish that have are totally out of your control. You know, things that come up at home, or injuries, or, you know, who knows. And so there is this, this sort of, I don't know, lucky or blessed that goes along with getting to complete something like this that's really special that also has to be coupled with this knowledge that you stuck with your end of it too. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, what you said about luck, that is entirely true. I I thought about that so many times and I talked about that with my hiking partner Hatchet. Neither one of us got seriously injured. Neither one of us got seriously sick and neither one of us had serious issues at home or other extenuating circumstances and that is really really unique and lucky and some of it's maybe being cautious like not hiking too many miles so you don't injure yourself prematurely or maybe some of it is good planning where you're kind of staying aware of yourself and um, your body but really like you said some of it is a total crapshoot and you just kind of think think Oh, I'm lucky. It's like so many other moments in life, you know, we see rough or terrible things happen to people. And for whatever reason, like when your number doesn't get called for those things, it's really, it's really something, I guess, to, to say I'm doubly thankful or I'm doubly blessed. Yeah, I guess so. If there was one part of trail life that you would most like to now make part of your real life, what would it be? You know, something that wasn't in your regular life before that really was a big thing on the trail. Yeah, I have, I guess I have two answers for that. The first is to hike often. I used to hike, you know, like a couple times a month or I'd go out for a backpacking trip here or there. But for me now, especially knowing how many long trails and short trails that are out there like it's become more of a lifestyle and then like to plan longer term adventures that 
are centered around hiking because what I found is, is one, it's just a cool way to experience people and see these gorgeous places. But also I realize it's really therapeutic and cathartic for me. There's something really calming, but then also centering that I found that it does for me. And I think I, I experienced that before, but really getting the chance to be out there for an extended period of time, it was something where like, I feel it now to my core where being outside in the woods and being active is essential to me. And it, it helps me, you know, I think that in all ways, like maybe it helps me quiet my mind. Maybe it helps me be more creative and maybe it just helps free me, but also physically, it just feels good. Like it makes me feel strong. It makes me feel present and, and it makes me feel a part of the natural world. The second thing I would say is to have more fires. And nothing beats a fire outside with people, but um, even inside, there's like something, obviously, it's physically warming, but it brings people together. And I think, you know, doing that every morning and every evening for thousands of miles just kind of reminded me of that. You know, the funniest thing about that is that when I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, I did not build a single fire. Really? Really? Part of that is the trails. I mean, yeah. on the PCT in general, there's a lot of areas where you couldn't have fires. And then, like, the first month and a half, it was, like, extremely high winds. Yeah. And, you know, zones with lots of fire danger. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's so, one of those things. Uh... And the forests are different. There's less trees, and so building the fires felt like it would have been more impactful, I think. Yeah. So, but on the yeah. other hand, on the Arizona Trail, I cooked with a wood stove. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nonetheless, too, I mean, I know that's the case. You can't always do it and you need to be respectful of whatever wood you are in. But it's also one of those things where when you get the opportunity to do it and it is allowed, it's kind of cool because it's, it's, uh, it's rewarding, too. Like, it's kind of like that film in Castaway when Tom Hanks finally, or that scene in Castaway when Tom Hanks finally builds fire. It's like, People have been doing this for thousands of years, but when you can create a flame, it's like, oh my God, this is so satisfying. Yeah, actually on the Arizona Trail, because I spent a lot of time hiking by myself, um, especially at the end. So I would go days without seeing people. And so to be able to cook over the wood fire at nighttime was like my company. Totally. You know, I never thought about that, but you're right. It's like, it's, it's warming and it's like another, another being with you. Totally. Well, if you could tell anybody anything, I guess, about the trail, we'll pull a kimchi on you. (laughs) (laughs) If you could tell anybody anything, now that you're back from the Appalachian Trail, what would you tell them? I would say if you, I mean, if you're considering a through hike now or at any point in your life, really, really reward yourself with the ability to do that. And I mean, if you're, if you can't do it now, then just take the steps to plan for when you can do it. And that could be, you know, reading books about it, talking and connecting with people in the town or city that you live near that they've done it or reaching out to organizations that can help you do it, getting in shape, getting into backpacking. So you take little steps to get there. But also if you, can't do a through hike and you're not interested in it, which is totally fine too. I mean, you got to be a little bit mad to go out somewhere and do a (laughs) a long trail. Um, But if you can't, like, if I was going to tell anybody anything, I would say just do what sings to your heart and don't be afraid to change directions. 
interview was such a lift to me, so I hope it is to you too. The hardest thing for me to bring back from this trail is just this determination that seems so easy out there, this determination to make the most out of every day, to make the time to stop at the swimming holes on the days I'd planned on doing big miles, and to find the happiness on the days where my feet felt bigger than my entire body and full of pain. And the forest was the same as the day before, and the sun was too hot, but there I was, in the woods, doing the thing that I wanted to do. What does that determination look like when you're working a 9-to-5, or maybe a 6-to-6 like I've been doing lately? I probably need more fires in my life. With that said, there's one last thing I want to do before wrapping up this episode. On January 3rd of this year, Congress changed the way that it calculates the value of federal public lands in such a way that it will now be easier to sell or cede public lands to states or private interests. This is not a political podcast, but politics affects everything, even hiking in the woods. And the reason we can have so many trails, especially the long ones, is due to a long bipartisan legacy of preserving public lands. There were so many nights on the Pacific Crest Trail where I looked around me, it was just flabbergasted at the beauty of it all. And for that utterly priceless view, the only fee I paid those nights was in sweat. I paid for it in income tax the rest of the time, but I could save up all my income tax for the rest of my life, dodge the IRS, put it into one lump sum, and it would still never be able to buy me all those views. So what's my point? My point is, if you love the outdoors and our national parks and monuments and wilderness areas, even just plain old managed forest service land here in the United States, like I do, I encourage you to take the time to get educated on the current politics surrounding it right now and to let your own representatives know that it is something that you value. And I'll get off my soapbox for the day and just say happy trails. Until next time, this is Sounds of the Trail.